1: My guest today is someone I've worked with for almost 20 years now, and even though I thought I knew a lot about my friend Rick Reichmuth, our conversation really gave me a new appreciation of what he has been through growing up, trying to figure out what he wanted to do with his life while he was in school, living in a small town, and daring to challenge himself and put his hopes and dreams really out there in the universe. In many cases, he willed them to happen. A very deep and heartfelt conversation that I'm so glad we had. There were tears, plenty of laughter, and lots of love. Rick is not only a great meteorologist, but a few years ago, he became a small business owner, creating his own line of weatherman umbrellas, which are really awesome. It's the only umbrella I use, and they come in amazing colors. And Rick even custom-made a mostly sunny yellow umbrella for me, which I have several stockpiled in my office. He is the chief meteorologist here at Fox News Channel. You will see him on Fox & Friends weekend with Pete, Rachel, and Will. He's also a really incredible cook, which we didn't get to talk about on this episode, but we will certainly talk about the next time he's on. Please welcome my good friend, Rick Reichmuth, on the Janistine Podcast. Rick Reichmuth, you made the Dean's List.
0: Is that what this is?
1: <laughs> yes, it's the Janice Dean Podcast, and I
0: bestow on you the Dean's List. <laughs> it's the first time I've been on the Dean's <laughs> List, trust me.
1: <laughs> Come on. Well, you were a good student, weren't you?
0: No way. What? I was a really bad student until I actually, until I started studying meteorology, which is a second degree. I got my degree in Spanish literature. Yes. It took me eight and a half years (laughs) to get my degree in spanish (laughs) literature
1: now how did that how did that all happen
0: um (laughs) such a long and uh aimless path i had zero direction no idea what i wanted to do in life uh and i so i actually didn't know i was going to go to college I, I went to college. This is going to go way too long. No, no, I, I want to hear it. This is the reason why go. we have
1: the we have the Janistein podcast where there are no commercial breaks. So this is the reason why I have you in the chair. You're going to tell me everything <laughs> about your path leading you to this moment right now.
0: All right. Well, so my really lovely parents are really and also, they are lovely. They are and um they're also simple. Mm -hmm. People and I don't not simpletons, but, you know, come come from a simple world. My dad's a barber, uh, raised five kids, Mm. never once in my life did they say go to college. Mm, They always said, get a job work from very little. So from like age 10, I've paid for everything in my life, Hmm. bought my own clothes for school, everything. And um, so I got out of high school. Where did you grow up? Arizona, Prescott, yep. Arizona, Prescott and Prescott like biscuit. And, uh, we were at, at, like the, for the summer after high school, I was like, you know, hanging out with my friends and then suddenly all of them went to school and I was like, where are you guys, what are you doing? And they're like, we're <laughs> going to college idiot. And I was like, oh, and so I went down to the community college and signed up for school because I thought, I guess I should probably do something like this. And there's but you went through college, normal school, right? Public school, public high school, public all the way through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, uh, I signed up for college, signed up for like the full things. I'm really ambitious, but didn't have like the discipline or follow through at the time. So I signed up for like 21 credits, thinking like I can do all this. And I ended up finishing that semester with like one credit.
1: (laughs) What were you doing in your spare time? I mean, I was working.
0: I had like a full-time job at that point. I worked at Sears in home improvements and sold, you know, uh, lawnmowers and grills Mm -hmm. and paint. Yep, And uh, then uh, I took... This is such a long story. Four (laughs) years to finish my two-year degree in junior college. Yes. And I started taking Spanish classes, and I was good at it. I liked it. And I had a Spanish tutor who grew up in an orphanage in Mexico. And he said, why don't you go to Mexico and volunteer at this orphanage? They take volunteers. And I was like, this sounds interesting to Mm me. So I applied, and I got accepted, and I moved to Mexico for a year after finishing this two years of college. And then at that point, I went down, and I learned Spanish just By being there for a year. And then I came back and I was like, all right, I'm just going to get my degree in Spanish because I speak it now and I thought it would be easy not understanding that it was Spanish literature, which is basically (laughs) like English lit only in another language. (laughs) But I was so far in, I was like, I just have to do this. Okay. And uh, then I went to ASU and... Eventually, after eight and a half years total, <laughs> I got my bachelor's degree in Spanish literature.
1: Congratulations! <laughs> Thank you
0: very much. What
1: was it like working at the Spanish orphanage?
0: Uh, it was amazing. It was—I mean—it was certainly the most uh, influential thing that's happened in my life. It changed oh, everything after my tell life. Tell
1: me.
0: Uh, first off, just the language—you mm-hmm. know—has opened up all kinds of opportunities yes. to me. Um, this orphanage is a really interesting place uh and organization it started by a priest mm-hmm. um, but not really a catholic orphanage but okay. it was started by a priest now 70 some years ago mm-hmm. uh and their philosophy at the time was um he, he met some kids who needed a home and so he brought him into this home and uh he they didn't adopt kids out so once you were brought in he thought kid, so many kids children are brought in and moved from home to home that he thought well let's open up an orphanage that this becomes their home oh. And so they'll come in, we'll educate them and be their family for the rest of their life, mm. um, which was a really great concept. It turned into when I was there, the orphanage had about 800 kids.
1: Oh, my so it's goodness. large
0: said so a, a, a girl's facility and then down the street, uh, a boy's facility. They're in like old haciendas in this small town in Mexico. So it was also gorgeous. Yes. You know, this, this really beautiful environment um, visually and, you know, the architecture around it was great. And these kids would, you know, the the first and second graders would live in a room with, you know, 60 bunks mm. and um, had a group of volunteers. There were always about 12 international volunteers that mm-hmm. were there doing work, teaching them English. My job was um, like recreation. So I was a lifeguard and I organized basketball tournaments and yep. played games yep. with them. Um, they had a clinic with some kids who had, were some of them had like cerebral palsy. Uh, one girl had been shot, had grown up in the orphanage, left, uh, as an adult, ended up being shot by her boyfriend and was paralyzed. These kinds of stories. And so they'd bring her back, like your family will bring you back for oh. the rest of your life. And so we would do like water therapy. I don't, didn't know what I was doing, but it was better than nothing. Yes. You know? mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, so did this experience for a year and it just transformed everything. It wasn't, I will say a sad place. Okay. And for a long time after I would get back, people would say, Uh, how, you know, that must've been so sad to Mm -hmm. see these stories. And I will say that it never felt like a sad place. It felt like a happy place that was a home. Um, and so my experience wasn't that of sadness. It also wasn't, you know, uh, an experience of poverty. I didn't feel poverty around it or, you know, certainly there were a lot of kids who came from rough scenarios. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, I was just in Mallorca a week ago on vacation. And there was a, a girl who was one of the first girls I met. She was older uh, when I got there. So I was 22, and I think she was maybe 16 or 17. Uh, and I haven't seen her since I left. But yes. she married somebody from Mallorca okay. and lives in Mallorca. And I saw her last week <sighs> for the first time. And, uh, and when I met her, I, I was right when I moved there. I didn't really speak any Spanish or much Spanish. Yes. Um, and now hearing her story that she had lived at the orphanage since she was two. <gasps> uh, she arrived there when she was two. Oh. And I didn't know that back then. But yes. I. I you know, here 30 some years later to learn more about her story and saw her. And it was really a beautiful, beautiful thing.
1: What a beautiful story. Yeah. Okay. So then you, you graduated and then what happened? Yeah.
0: So at some point in that time, I got a job as a bank teller.
1: Okay. <laughs> I remember you telling Which me. Which was this amazing because
0: <laughs> I made like 928 an hour or something when I left Sears for yes. bank teller. Okay. Uh and uh th- when I went to Mexico that year, I took a year off. The bank took me back when I came back. So I just worked my way up in the bank to eventually being a branch manager of the Bank of America. Yes. And it was hell every day. It was, it was just empty. I just, you know, it was right. basically like you know, is retail management. It could have been of a Gap or a Starbucks or mm-hmm. Bank of America. It was all the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and hated every day okay. of it. Did this until I was 30. Mm-hmm. I was managing Bank of America. Okay. And then... Still uh, in Prescott? In Phoenix now. Okay. So I moved to Phoenix, was at ASU, worked full-time while I finished ASU. Yes. Degree in Spanish literature, rank manager of a bank. None of it made any sense. Okay. It was all just accidental, you
1: yes. know... happenstance. Happenstance.
0: And, um, so, uh, I was at the bank and, oh man, this can be a long story. No, it's okay. I love it. I'm fascinated by this. (laughs) All right. Sometimes, sometimes it includes tears and, and, uh, therapy and all kinds (laughs) of stuff. But, uh, so I was, I was in this, um, at the bank and at the time I really wanted to move to the East coast. I just had this like instinct, like I wanted to move where stuff was older and there was some history and. Have you, know, you had you ever gone to the East Coast? One time, and okay. on that trip to the East Coast, I was like, I think I need to live here. So, what part? Uh, I, DC okay. was the only place I'd ever been, so I mm-hmm. thought DC okay. is it. I wanted yep. to go to DC, and I worked at Bank of America, and Bank of American Nations. Bank had just merged, okay, and suddenly there were branches on the East Coast, mm-hmm. and so um, I, I, some of this feels corny to express it all. I was at. Um, the movie Beloved. I don't know why. There's zero reason for this, but Beloved. Okay. It was like an Oprah movie yes. or something. Oh
1: yeah, that's right. You remember that
0: movie? I do. And there was a scene in that movie that was in the, set in the South and I was watching and something just hit me and I turned to the friend I was with at the movie and I said, I'm going to move to the East Coast. And wow. she was like, huh? <laughs> like in the middle of the movie. And I was like, I'm going to move to the East Coast. <laughs> and so the next day I had a, there was a meeting with branch managers and I had my district manager and I pulled her aside and I said, I want to move to the East coast. Okay. And I thought I need to burn some bridges to make this happen. Oh, you right. know, like in a life that had never been super purposeful,
1: mm-hmm. I thought
0: I need to shame myself into making some changes. That if I don't do the changes that I've talked about, I'll be embarrassed. Ah. So I kind of use that as a way to think I- I'm going to, I'm going to burn a little bit of a bridge that if I then don't follow through this woman who I really she's one of the best bosses I ever had okay um I thought if I, if I tell her I'm going to do it and I don't do it, I'll be so ashamed and I embarrassed that okay. I actually will, this will force me to follow through. Right.
1: It's almost like putting it out there, yeah. like, like putting it on Twitter that I'm going to lose 15 pounds <laughs> right. exactly. and then, you know, trying to hold yourself accountable and it doesn't right. happen. That actually did happen. I right. haven't lost 15 pounds, but anyway, go ahead.
0: <laughs> we can do that together this next okay, year. That's great. We can both be shamed. Okay. Um, so I, I got a transfer. To a branch. Ended up in Atlanta. Okay. So I had a friend who had a friend in Atlanta, and I moved all my stuff to Atlanta. Okay. And I showed up. Oh, <laughs> man, this is going... This How long is this podcast? No, no, it, <laughs> we can be as long as
1: you want. I love it. Right. Just keep going. Keep going down that track. So
0: I transferred to it, to Georgia yes. with uh, Bank of America. I paid for my transfer. I paid for everything. I, they did not pay for any of my move, okay. which becomes important in a second. Okay, yeah. So... I go, uh, get an apartment, move into this apartment.
1: You don't know anybody there?
0: I had a friend of a friend. Okay. So um, that was it. (laughs) (laughs) So I clearly didn't really know anybody. (laughs) Lovely person, though. Uh, And uh, so I go to work my first day, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a week later. And they have me, like, sitting in an office reading Georgia banking regulation manuals or something. And I'm doing this, and um, I hear a voice that says... Just like that. Okay. And I panicked. I right. was like, w- what? Like, <laughs> I can't go? What? And it just was like nagging at me, yep. this voice that I okay. heard. So I leave that day and I drive home and I call my friends back in Arizona and I'm like, I heard a voice and it said, go. And they're okay. like, don't go. Don't go. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, you can't go. <laughs>
1: what was that voice? It was just in, I just, you know, okay. God,
0: internal voice, your internal, yep. you know, knowing that it's. You have to make a move, whatever okay. it is. Yep. But I heard it. Like, mm-hmm. I heard it out loud. Has
1: this ever happened before in your life?
0: No. Uh, one other time. Okay. One other time. which is send me down another crazy okay.
1: path? We'll do part one, two, <laughs> right, and three right, of the Rick yeah. Rakemuth podcast. But go ahead.
0: Okay. The other one is when a cactus talked to me. So, uh, just <laughs> I
1: a, think you told me that
0: headline. story. A headline. I So, um, I... I... I You know, talk to my friends. They're like, don't go. You can't do that. That's crazy. And I go to work the next day. Okay. And uh, there was a a branch manager's meeting. Mm -hmm. So I was on my way to meet and I met all these branch managers. And after that, I was supposed to go shadow another branch manager for, you know, a few days. As I was driving to that branch to shadow this woman, it was like my spirit left my body Hmm. and I had no control over what happened for the next hour. Okay. I walked into her office, into the branch, and she pulls me into her office. She's like, welcome. How are you? And I go, I think I'm going to quit. And she goes, what? (laughs) And I said, I can't do this anymore. I hate it. This isn't isn't what I want to do with my Mm -hmm. life. And I'll never forget, she said, Mm -hmm. uh, because the two banks had just merged, she said, is that how people at Bank of America felt? Mm -hmm. I said, yeah. I said, nobody likes it. Mm -hmm. And she said, we don't either. She said, I hate what I do. Oh, my gosh. And I remember she was like 45, 46. Yeah. And I I said, why do you do it? And she said, I just don't know what else I would do. I just never had any other thought of what to do. Uh And I thought, I'll be damned if I let my life go because I just didn't know what else to do. Right. And so I... As we're having the conversation, the boss boss yeah. comes into the office. She's like coming to welcome me. <laughs> and you're both like, and we com- <laughs> hate this job. <laughs> <laughs> she comes in. She's like, how's it going? And I'm like, I think I'm going to quit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So literally by like 1130 that morning, I'm driving home and I had just quit my job. And I was in a city that I didn't know anyone or anything. <gasps>
1: and then what and happened? And I
0: felt... Like Great. a million bucks. Mm. I felt like I had been liberated mm-hmm. and the world opened up followed by eight or to 10 months of really hard depression and oh, scary times wow. trying okay. to figure it out. Yep. And it was hard, but it wasn't hard. Like I regretted it. Mm-hmm. It was hard. Like I need to dig in and figure out what it is that I want to be and hmm. what I want to do with my life and what has stopped me from doing what I want to do with my life in the past. Okay. You know, um, I was a teacher for a day. <laughs> which is a whole that's okay episode.
1: my my husband Sean was a teacher as well and did not like it yeah. at all and knew pretty quickly he wasn't going to like it
0: yeah yeah, yeah. it's a rough thing. And for me I was I, I got a job as a Spanish teacher like a full like enrolled like teacher and then I quit after a day which was I'm a little bit ashamed about but um Yeah. So it was a lot of soul searching of like what I want to do. And since I was a little kid, I wanted to be a weatherman. Mm. And at the time I was reading a book. One of the things I was doing to try to figure it out was I was reading a book called Conversations with God. Okay, I don't know if you remember this book. It was pretty good. Big pop psychology book at the time. Yes. And um, it helped me kind of get some clarity in what um, mattered or ways to achieve something that you're not sure or that you don't have the confidence about. Mm-hmm. And so I started one of the things from the book. I just started saying to anybody I would meet that I was going to be a weatherman. So
1: putting it out in the universe. putting it out there, just yep. like
0: I'm going to be a weatherman. I'm be a new weatherman. And it sounded pretty crazy. Um, mm-hmm. And I just I look at TV and I, since I was little, I would watch the weather mm-hmm. until like the news was on. I'd watch it. And after the weather, I'd go to sleep every day as a kid. And so suddenly I was like, those people are on, Figure it out. I'm, yeah. I have to be able to figure it out. Right. And we'll be
1: back with more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this.
0: So I started saying that eventually I met a guy who worked at CNN
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, he took my resume and because I speak Spanish, uh, got, he turned it in and I got a call like three days later saying, can you come be a temp for CNN and Espanol? Wow. I was in like,
1: the weather department?
0: Nope. Just CNN and okay. Espanol. Okay. And I thought, you know, I was like. Oh my God. Wow. I was looking to get a job like in the food court at CNN <laughs> <laughs> thinking if I'm working at Chick-fil-A, maybe I'm closer to CNN right. somehow. Cause it's in the building. Yes. Like, and that's the world that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Is it, I didn't grow up in a family like a lot of people here where we work with and in the East coast have ambitious, ambition and drive and guidance from a very young age. And I just yes. didn't have any of that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, uh, got this job as a temp and I showed up and I didn't know anything about, I was basically a job as a secretary for the top two people at the network. Okay. And, um, I didn't know how to type. I didn't know (laughs) at computer skills, nothing. And I got a Mavis beacon, uh, typing CD that I put in to the computer at work. And I was just, I was sitting there answering phones, but nobody's really talking to me. Okay. And so I was teaching myself to type and, uh, the, this is, I mean, what, 30 years ago, mm-hmm. 30, 32, three 30 years ago. Uh, and, but people are being really strange. A couple weeks pass and the bosses pull me into their office and they're like, who are you? Like, <laughs> why are you 30 year old man <laughs> teaching yourself how to type and sitting <laughs> answering our phones? <laughs> And I told him the story. I said I worked at a bank for eleven years, mm-hmm. and I've had green Spanish literature, and I hate what I did. And I heard a voice, and I left, and I want to be a weatherman. <laughs> Literally, all that. Yeah. And they said, "All right, we need to tell you something." The Friday before you got here, the woman who was our secretary killed herself. Oh my goodness! And you've been brought in as a temp to fill that spot, and we actually think that you might be a perfect person because we're all kind of broken here. Oh. And you're, it, it seemed like you're an adult and you've seemed kind so far. And we could use somebody in here to help us kind of go through this time. Oh my goodness. And if you do this, we will, um, we would love to help you achieve your goal.
1: Oh my goodness, Rick.
0: Yeah. Oh. And um, so I said, I told you, I might cry.
1: <laughs> what a so. sto- I mean, I didn't know this story. This yeah. is Oh, so you were kind of this bright spot that came in and didn't realize that you were that kind of sunshine for these people. I
0: I mean, I didn't know. And, you know, it must have been something like that at that time. For me, it felt, um, you you know, it felt a little troubling and, you know, uncomfortable. And I also at that point had kind of worked through enough stuff and was emotionally, you know, stable enough probably to handle it Mm -hmm. um, or mature enough maybe and uh, so they were going to help me so they hooked me up with the weather department at CNN yep
1: Um,
0: I know this is you know on a Fox product and there's a lot of CNN talk here that is how that is, you know ultimately important because it's how I got here and and Mm. at that time I can't tell you how great they were to me Mm. and so uh, I would go in and I would practice in front of a green screen and then I would tape it and go back and bring it to these bosses who would critique my work and Mm -hmm. say, don't stand like that and don't move your hand and you're saying these words too much and whatever. Simultaneously, they let me leave during the day to go start taking weather classes at Georgia Tech. Wow. So I was taking weather classes and loving and I felt like I had just like to a, a year before had been at the bank in this. Misery thing doing something that you know, didn't feel at all authentic to who I was. suddenly, the world had opened up to me. Mm. And so I practiced for about a year and a half and was making tapes, and I was taking mm-hmm. weather classes. and I had my tape ready and was sending it out to local stations, you know, Grand Junction, Colorado, and all mm-hmm. these places, thinking I'll move anywhere at this point. And one day, I got a call from somebody at Headline News, and they said, Hey, are you here? Um, we need somebody to fill in tomorrow. Can you do it on Headline News? And it was like yes. And so I get the next I go home that night and I bought clothes and I went. They said don't wear a don't you don't need to wear a jacket. And I went and I bought like a shirt and a sweater and these khaki pants and um, which was because I was also making during this time like thirty five thousand a year. Yep. and I had no money at all. And so uh, I. I went out and I did this and I show up to work the next day and CNN had just hired this spectacular woman who was, uh, a Canadian, uh, Olympian, Rosietta, I don't know if you know her, I do um, as a Canadian. And so I went in with, uh, Rosie, she was helping me out and she was wearing like this sequin top and she was like eight (laughs) feet tall and gorgeous and whatever. And I was like, Oh my gosh, what have I done? And you know, like, and, Were you wearing
1: the little vest? Yes, I was wearing my little vest.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think it was orange, because they said, like, bright colors or something. (laughs) And so... I was like, what the hell have I done? I can't do this. I can't do this. And the time's ticking and getting closer and closer. And eventually I go over and I do the hit. And I remember it was the first time I had an IFB in. Yes. And I couldn't. That's the
1: little thing uh, that is in our ear so we can hear
0: the producer. Exactly. And I had that in and I couldn't hear the anchor tossed to me because my heartbeat was beating so loud through that. Oh, my
1: goodness. Through the
0: earpiece. Like my heartbeat was making more noise than the anchor. So I, you know, I get done and I, I did the day, I ended up having, it was uh, like right before Christmas, so mm-hmm. and it was going to snow. So okay. I was talking a bunch, about like the skiers are going to love it. The skiers are going to love it. It was the only thing I said all day. <laughs> and I'm convinced still to this day that nobody inside the building of any news organization is actually listening to what's on the air. They're just <laughs> worried about what the next, getting the next thing ready. Yes. And so I got done and I went home for Christmas and I was like on cloud nine. Like I had something <sighs> real to put on my Reel on my demo reel. Yes. Um, And I thought this is great. And while I was gone, I got a call from them again saying, hey, are you available on January 2nd and 3rd? And I was like, oh, my God. So for I'll try to wrap this up. No, this Uh, is a wonderful uh, story. So I um, for three and a half years. I freelanced on all the CNN channels, Okay, um, worked about 15 days a month between CNN International, CNN and Headline News. Mm -hmm. And I kept my job as a secretary. And so I would do uh, Robin Mead's morning show on Headline News Mm -hmm. uh, and I would do that show. And my last hit was at 845. And by nine o'clock, I would be at my desk getting my boss coffee. And I would oh my goodness. have changed clothes back to out of my stuff, and I would yeah. go. And my boss, you know, would be like, "Can you bring me some coffee, please?" And I would go down to get him coffee. And,
1: this is a yeah. tremendous story. It yeah. really is. Just, and I'm glad you told all of it because I you, you can't leave anything out, even the voice. <laughs> like
0: go. I know it's it sounds crazy to people. No, and it's been enough time that I, for a long time, I felt like that the whole story meant so much to me and it was so in, important to my life. Mm-hmm. And now 30 some years passed and, you know, uh, it feels like a lifetime ago and other things have happened and I, you know, mm-hmm. b- matured and gotten old and all the things. And so I don't talk about it as much, mm-hmm. but it's still, even for me, it's it's nice to go back and talk about it because I get... Feelings about it, of Of gratitude and of amazement. and
1: You know what stands out for me is you're in that role and they tell you about the poor woman that took her life. And they say to you, you are this person that maybe can bring us all together through a tough time. That's what stands out to me the most because you are that type of person. Like I feel like you do have sort of that... When you meet, when I met you for the first time, I knew that you just had a kindness about you. Do you know what I mean? Like wow. you, just, you can't learn something like that. Um, you know, I do think it has something to do with upbringing, uh, of course, your, your family, yeah. your wonderful parents, and yeah. and how close you still are to that family. Yeah. So I think that it's a it's a beautiful story, and I love that it brought you here. But that moment when someone tells you that you actually can help bring people together is, yeah. is the takeaway.
0: Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, you know, um, it, it, this is a weird business, mm-hmm. you know, I think you and I have talked about that it's you know, TV's fascinating and interesting and fun and, and all the things it's also full of weird and crazy people. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is. Yes. Um, and, uh, and I, you know, I don't think I'm one of the weird and crazy people. You are. <laughs> it's like, that's such a weird thing and to say. But. you know, to,
1: <laughs> I will also say that a lot of people who are or were hired at Fox were not the typical, you know, anchor man, right. anchor woman. Right. right. I think yeah. that the management knew that they wanted real people yes. in here so that the people at home watching yeah. is like, oh, well, yes, I would invite them over to dinner. Yeah. You know? That's really important.
0: I think it's key. It's what Fox has done so well. Mm -hmm. And I think over time is what, you know, CNN lost their way with also in some ways. This is I am not a media critic. And this is (laughs) please nobody take this as that. This is just, you know, I think even just media and what people are interested in watching. We're not interested in like the big celebrity and the perfect Mm -hmm. Hollywood whatever and the perfect news anchor man we people want to see people that feel like you know are real yeah. and um and I think Fox has done a good job of hiring people mm-hmm. who are they allow you also to be not perfect you know yes. the amount of times that we mess up and stumble don't get the words out right mm-hmm. trip you know whatever make a fool of ourselves and nobody ever says hey pull it together. You need to act professional. Never, nobody's ever said that to me. In mm-hmm. fact, generally they kind of, you know, applaud when you of course. have a real moment. Right. And I think that's why the success. Is Especially, here Fox,
1: and Especially Fox and Friends. They actually want more
0: of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Can you fall again?
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I also want to thank you because when I got here, I didn't follow the traditional path either getting here and doing weather. I mean, I, I was kind of I knew I wanted to do something in broadcasting yeah. and so when I came here they really didn't know where to put me they're like well we have a lot of anchors and at the time I didn't want to be a news anchor either yeah. I liked entertainment because it was fun it would you know it could be filler in between the news stories yeah. and then I had done weather right out of college as well which I yeah. you know I kind of fell back on but at the time like you and I you didn't need the education right it was like I was a weather presenter for many years yeah. then I come here to Fox and they really didn't ask me to go to school or right. anything like that. But when you came here, you were the one that said to me, listen, I think you know you should look into like Mississippi State, which yeah. is where a lot of broadcast meteorologists yeah. get their education. So if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have gone down that path. Yeah. So I thank you for that. Oh,
0: of course. You know, I think up, beef, up before the 2004 hurricane season, mm-hmm. now just getting into nerdy stuff, which is the Katrina year. Yes. Actually, I think Katrina is 2005, but 2005. the year before it was Charlie. And Very there busy. Was, there was two years of really b- busy mm-hmm. weather. Um, I think that weather, uh, and, and a place like Fox, who's a news organization, they didn't care as much. And suddenly they were forced to, hey, you actually have to really pay attention because these weather stories... Yes, you know, our matter headlines. and they're big and they're headlines and people care, mm-hmm. and so they, I think Fox started to care about it more, and that benefited me in coming here. Yeah, um, and so you know, I think it's great.
1: And we'll be back with more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this.
0: Uh, listen, I have no idea. I feel like we've talked. Oh no, we can go. Whole, we're going we can for do other ones if you
1: want. No, we're doing fifteen more minutes. We're, <laughs> we're going, going minutes, right, right up to one o'clock.
0: <laughs> Good. Um, yeah. So. But there's a, there's a lot, I think, to talk about. Fox is a great place. And I've known you for many, many years. We've known... I got a job um, after CNN at a place called WSI, mm-hmm. which was... Uh, it's a, They still make... It's now called The Weather Company. It's owned by IBM now. Um, they make all the weather graphics systems that basically any TV station... All of them use. All of them use, basically. There's a couple other small players. but um, So I got a job there who, at the time... Fox used to outsource all their weather graphics Mm -hmm. production to that station, to that, to that company. And it was in Boston. So I moved to Boston and, uh, it was, you know, 30 miles outside of Boston, which is a really unfriendly city. Boston? (laughs) Boston. It's the worst. Really. Sorry. It just is. It's like, unless you're like from there or go there to college, you'll never make a friend. It was a really (laughs) hard time. I didn't know that about Boston. Yeah. I was 34 when I moved there and, um, 35 and yeah, it's. Really cold and unfriendly. Um, So I was working at this place, and and we would make graphics for you. Yes. And then FTP file transfer protocol. Like so, we'd have to render a a radar map, like a three hour radar loop, and we would render it, which back then would take us like a minute to render it. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: then we would uh, transfer it to you. Yep. And your machine had to not be in play. That's oh my gosh! How do you remember that? You're (laughs) and you're your computer was in a different room as um, the studio. Yes. So you would have it was to. was in the audio booth. It was in the audio booth. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to run back to the audio booth. Oh, yeah. Make sure your show was at it, not in play. Yes. Let the files transfer. We'd say, okay, now you hit it in play. You put it in play. And then you'd run to the other studio. It's so true. It's amazing the difference of yes. now we have a weather channel. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. It's a totally different thing. Yeah.
1: And so, yeah, you've been here almost 20 years now.
0: Yeah. So it was two years there. And then they also outsourced some of their on air weather. So, if you weren't around, I would do weather from, from like there. this green screen closet in this <laughs> office park, thirty miles outside of Boston, and we would call it the Fox Weather Center. Yes, the viewer had no idea I wasn't in New York.
1: That's right.
0: Uh, and I was up there, and I did that for two years, and then came here seventeen years ago. Oh my goodness! So it's it's interesting. I think, um, yeah, we should one day. Yeah, this is Janice and I have a long history, uh-huh. and not all of it good. <laughs> We like we've had, we had a time where we were not friends. I know. And I, one day we should do talk about that. If you want to, it's, we should. it would be, cause I think it's, you're a lovely person and you know, people over times, you know, relationships go through hard times. And I think yours, yours and mine did for a few years and yep. we've talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if this is a format. We may never do this, but I think it's a, you know, was, is an interesting thing. Cause we've, we've had a long history That I think has been was great, had a rough time and then also repaired. And I think that's also a normal and common thing in life
1: and in businesses and in business, too. You know, uh, and I think people who are also doing kind of the same thing, too. You know, there is an insecurity. Yeah. There's always going to be an insecurity, especially yeah. when new people come on board. You know, I was kind of the first person here and then other people, oh, am I not as good as this person? You know, like right. I. it taps into my insecurity And age
0: also. Yes. At certain points in in careers when we're younger and, mm-hmm. you know, stuff matters to us differently. And as we age, it's stuff true. matters to us less. less. <laughs> we know what's important. Yeah. Which is also a great thing.
1: So, so yes, I want to talk about that. Yeah. But I also <laughs> want to talk about, because I don't really even know why we were... Not talking to one
0: another. I think it was office. Office politics. Politics. um, And also probably getting stuff from other people. Mm -hmm. You know? Hearing other stuff from other people that was getting. It
1: is a good conversation to have. Because I... (laughs) uh, No, because I pride myself on... You know, it is like a big family here. And sometimes we don't get along with one another. And for the most part, I think I have you know, had great relationships with people, but they have ebbed and flowed as well. And a lot of it sometimes is office politics. Like this person said this, can you trust that? Uh, And, you know, I've gone through ups and downs of my own insecurities being here. Um, Probably age has a lot to do with that. Like worried that the next up and comer is going to be younger than I am. Um, and, And just, I mean, at one point I was like, there's a ceiling here and when I'm 40, I'm gonna call it
0: quits. Right.
1: Right. And now I'm (laughs) fifty. You're almost (laughs) forty. But you're right. And I'm glad because I'm sorry for whatever happened. You know? Like I feel but I think on the other side of it, you and I have become
0: closer. Yeah. Right? For sure. Well, also, I mean, there's Janice and I were neighbors. (laughs) <laughs> people, you and I when were we weren't
1: really talking to each other at first
0: well we were at first and then we weren't talking to yes. each other but we, a neighbors meaning in our brownstone there were like two two apartments on each floor and, and you helped me Janice, find that apartment Janice and I were the two people on our floor <laughs>
1: that's right <laughs> So, and then Rick know. sometimes would be having parties and I'm like I'd really like to go over there but we're not talking to each other right, right now <laughs> Oh, to be able to go back I know,
0: but it is, it's young And it's also, I think that, you know I would imagine I was, um, I don't think I've ever had Like an ambition At any other person's expense Like Mm -hmm. I don't There's a thing that you can't control Like you can't control if somebody likes you Mm -hmm. So, you know, and this happens Fox and Friends, we've gone through Since I've been on Fox and Friends weekend for 17 years um, I've been through Fourteen executive producers on yeah. the show, mm-hmm. and either they like you or they don't, and it is the difference of how much airtime you get, or you mm-hmm. don't, or if they send you to the story, or they don't. And yep. when they are sending you, you love it, and you are mm-hmm. excited, and you think, "Hey, I am going to travel more and do some more things." And then they get move on, and the next person is like, "No, I don't like Rick," you know. And I think those are the things that when I was young, and I was thrilled with having opportunity,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and I could imagine. Also, at a moment where there's because I was, you know, new after you, mm-hmm. um, that that could have felt weird. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, and then somebody new came after me, and, the, you know, it just keeps on going. And at some point, you go, Hey, new person, like good on you. Like, yes. Good for you. Enjoy it. That's and, right. And do it as best as you can. Enjoy every moment. And hopefully, you know, you just rise and rise. Mm-hmm. And that has nothing to do with me. Yes. And whether or not I do like, you know, this is whatever happens to us is because somebody likes you because you do a good job at the moment or they don't. That's right. And if you worry about it too much, you'll go crazy.
1: That's exactly it. And I think you and I are both at the age right now where it's just like, okay, whatever happens is going to happen. Yeah. And I I do feel absolutely way more secure in my job and my performance than I ever have. Yeah. So those up and comers, you want to help them. Yeah. You know, and not feel like they're going to threaten you in some way. Right. Okay. We have to talk about the weatherman (laughs) umbrella. You are a small business owner and I don't know we should talk about that more because Holy moly, what made you to decide to come up with a product and sell it?
0: Uh, uh, Like naivete. Is that the the word? I, um, I think what, so the, uh, I'm you looking, got time? I'm looking at the clock. No, this, don't look me. at Another the clock. Story. Another long story. Um, I was standing, do you remember a Gracious Home, that store on the upper west side? Yes. It's just like a bunch of home yes, good I do. stuff. And I went there trying to buy an umbrella one day. Mm-hmm. This is truly exactly how this happened. And I was looking at this rack of umbrellas and I'm like, what's the good one? Like, somebody just tell me what the good umbrella is. Because yes. most of them are crap.
1: And we lose them all and the time. We lose
0: them, and there's, you know, and they don't work, whatever, mm-hmm. they break. And I thought, there's got to be a good one here. Just like tell me what it is and I'll buy it. Like yeah. I don't care how much it costs at this point. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I bet I could t- tell people what the good umbrella is. And so that's I, how it started. That was how it started. And so for probably. Three or four years, I would tell people, I think I want to try to make a, an umbrella. Mm-hmm. And then the exact same thing where suddenly I was like, Rick, shut up or do it. Because you're now starting to sound like a fool because you've been saying this for so long.
1: But it's just like putting it out there in the universe.
0: Uh, also I'm going true. to be a weatherman. I'm going to be a weatherman. And now I was like, I'm going to make an umbrella and call it the weatherman. Yes. And so I started working on it, um, uh, you know, A friend of mine is an industrial designer. We started making, taking apart umbrellas in the apartment, seeing what makes them good or bad. And I had like, you know, a hundred of them and finally came up with designs. And then I, it was all just a fun project. Mm -hmm. At the time, um, it was probably going into an election cycle. Generally, for those listening, when there's a big election cycle, weather becomes very unimportant. (laughs) And so, Uh, I had a lot of downtime, which can make you go crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, when you don't have anything that you're working on or sitting in an office waiting for five hours for your next time you need to be on TV. Um, and so I just started, you know, working on this and it was a fun project. Um, and at the end of it, I had an umbrella. (laughs) <laughs> that to be made. And I was treat I was very afraid to be honest with you, that Fox was going to stop me okay. from it.
1: Yeah. Cause um, I don't think they had ever had something like this happen before where somebody on air says, I'm going to make a invention.
0: Right. Make a product. And, um, and it wasn't like, I think some people thought, Oh, you're just putting your name on a product that somebody no, made. This you... is not, it's Mm-mm. like, it was me actually going in to, you know, work to, to, uh, make it. Um, and so I completed and I decided, like, I, I was working really hard to make sure they didn't know anything because mm-hmm. I thought I didn't want them to stop it. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I, my whole plan was I'm going to work this and get it fully done until it's done. And then I was going to go and say, I've written a book and it's an umbrella because <laughs> everybody right. writes a everybody book. Everybody writes a book. Yeah. And so I thought this is going to be my book. Yes. And uh, so I brought the Umbrella in and they loved it, wow. and they were great, That's and awesome. have been supportive ever since. Mm-hmm. And it's turned into some like I remember the day we launched. You were at the launch party, mm-hmm. I remember. Uh Yeah, five and a half years ago, and it was amazing. And I remember going home that night thinking, I don't know if I'm gonna have anything to do anymore. Like I thought I had birthed this thing that I had been working on, and um, uh, and I I just was so naive. The same thing about going into being. Meteorologist, so you don't know what it takes. And, you know, it. it's takes a lot, yes. you know, to, to do any job. But um, certainly this is a job that takes a lot of focus and and a lot of doubt mm. in the process. Mm-hmm. So to get done with go into this making an umbrella, I really was just trying to make an umbrella and bring it to market. And what I didn't realize at the end of it was I had a business.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then it was like, oh, shit. Sorry like I have a business and now I've got nine employees and investors and uh,
1: you're the head of
0: the business and I'm the CEO and Mm -hmm. it takes, you know, between this job and that job, it consumed, has consumed my life fully. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's great and I love it. And I've probably um, for sure the hardest thing I've ever done. It is. Yeah. Every element of it, you know, we, we started selling online. It's, the website, it's the marketing, it's the legal, it's the accounting, it's the finances, it's the worrying about money, it's the making payroll, um, running out of inventory, website crashing, Amazon, trying to get into retail, trying to network, which I'm not good at or interested in. Um, or
1: getting someone to do that for you. Or
0: getting someone to do that for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes, it. it just takes a lot. And you can't, it's a thing that if you stop focusing on it Mm -hmm. it doesn't do as well you know you have to stay focused on it all the time so
1: how do you balance it
0: uh not super well probably (laughs) but but i try i mean i think i'm getting better at it Uh, also it was harder at first because in the same way like when you were starting doing weather Mm -hmm. and you didn't know as much about weather Mm -hmm. it creates all these things of insecurity yes like I don't know the answer to that question. Right. You know, and until you get to where you know, and you know so much about the weather now, so you're comfortable in your job. Mm -hmm. um, And that breeds confidence in what you're doing. And when I started this also, I had no idea. Like Mm -hmm. I I didn't know. I'd never had a, people would always say like, I'm going to talk to my lawyer. I'm like, who has a lawyer? (laughs) Like, why would anybody have a lawyer? You know, like I had to find, you know, lawyers and uh, write pitch decks and find investors and, you know, series seed and a rounds, I haven't done that, but you know, all these stuff around the finances and cap tables and all of these pieces to learn across, you know, seven or eight areas around a business that now I finally feel like I have the knowledge around mm. all of them and it makes it easier. And I've got, you know, nine employees who I think I give better guidance to. And I think they are, uh, have come in and each person has become stronger mm-hmm. and is, you know, doing the the job well, but also, you know, nothing is perfect. Yeah, that's a good lesson and too. And you can't, you can't make everything perfect. Yeah. Uh, or you know, we would we've spent time. You know, we send out emails to our customers like every you know brand does, annoyingly so I'm sure. But you know, we used to look at this email and spend eight hours making sure that it was just right. And is that like, you know, click here button? Should it be ten pixels wider or shorter? Or is the color just right and yeah. all that stuff? And suddenly you have to be like, all right. Good enough. Get it out the door right. and move on to the next mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. I mean, I have the most respect for small business owners. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. And it doesn't ever go away. Mm-hmm. I really like the pink umbrella right now. <laughs> Good. Thank you.
1: <laughs> I did see that. Yes. I got the email and it's like this beautiful Barbie pink umbrella <laughs> that I want. <laughs> okay. Well,
0: I can work on that for you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what is the thing that you've learned the most about yourself at this point in your life?
0: Wow. That's a hard question. Learned the most about myself. Um,
1: You know, you started as someone that didn't have any direction. Yeah. Or you tell me that. Yeah. And now you have a lot of direction. Right. Um, From A to B, what do you think you've learned about yourself
0: the most? Yeah. Um, I think... Or proud of yourself the most. Yeah. Well, I think probably and this goes back to those two bosses at CNN. People love to help people because people don't like what they're doing themselves. Mm. And I've I've often you know you and I have both talked to interns and young people who come here and they're like hey, I you know I want to do something. What do you think I should do? Nobody wants to get involved in that. Mm-hmm. Like nobody wants to help somebody find figure out what they're going to do. Yes. But if you, everybody I believe has something in them that they know they want to do. Mm. And if you can get to the place where you're brave enough to say it, because sometimes it sounds ridiculous. Mm. Like I'm from this small town in Arizona whose dad's a barber. S- say it for me saying i want to be a weatherman was ridiculous. Like it just didn't make any sense. And I was 30. You know, it was like, why? And so my experience is that if you will be honest about what you want to do and start telling everybody that you want to do it, Mm. people will help you and people love helping you. Yeah. And that's probably the biggest thing when, if you come and said to me today, like, I know Rick that for the next piece of my career, I want to be a master gardener, I would Do anything to find somebody who I could help you connect with. Mm -hmm. And that's it. People, most people are unhappy. Like that woman at the bank who said, I didn't know what else I would do. Yes. Nobody wants to help her find a different career. Yes. But if she came and said, I want to be an astronaut, we'd be like, I hope you got there lady, you know, Mm -hmm. and people love to help people achieve their dreams. Yeah. And so get the balls and, you know, to st- state what it is you want and then start telling everybody. And then people will jump on along and help and then celebrate your success.
1: That is amazing. Uh, and part two will be you talking <laughs> about the cactus.
0: <laughs> yes. Such a beautiful cactus. <laughs> and
1: uh, I also want to talk, you know, we'll talk about the fact that you're an excellent Cook, oh, okay. yeah. yeah. So to be to continue, <laughs> right. and I'm Very really good. glad we had this discussion because it's been a like a really good moment for a lot of reasons. Yeah. um And I think that that's a beautiful message. And if someone's out there listening, like I don't know what I'm going to do, but there's that little part of me yeah. that says I want to do this. Maybe yeah. that'll give them that hope or that you know little push in the right direction.
0: Yeah, I agree. I hope so. Yeah, hope you're so, a good true. person, my oh, friend. Likewise, and I love you. Thank you. Love you too. <laughs>
1: Thank you, Rick, for coming on to chat about your amazing story. And that's why I love this podcast so much, because I get to have heartfelt, sometimes really emotional conversations with my friends and coworkers to find out all sorts of wonderful things about them, their family, and how they got to where they are today. If you want to check out Rick's awesome Weatherman Umbrellas, you can go to weathermanumbrella.com. By the way, proceeds from his Freedom Collection umbrellas goes to the Folds of Honor Foundation, providing educational scholarships to spouses and children of America's fallen and disabled service members. So far, $360,000 from the purchase of the Weatherman umbrella goes to the Folds of Honor Foundation. Thank you to all of my listeners. If you have someone you think should make the Dean's List, let me know at Janestine on Twitter or Janice Dean FNC on Instagram. Or you can rate this podcast.